Welcome to Try This at Home with Leslie and Leslin, a podcast that offers you tips and tricks for solving problems, increasing happiness, and creating a better life. Hi, this is Leslin from Try This at Home. Last week, we talked about social media and its role in connecting us to the broader world at large. The need for human connection is hardwired into our very spirit. And today, we're talking about it. So grab a cup of coffee or a glass of wine and listen in. Hi, Leslin. Good morning. How are you? Good. I'm ready to tackle this topic today. We're both in good health. We are. Which at the time that we're recording this is important to note. Yes. And of course, we record a couple of weeks early. So by the time our listeners are hearing this, um, I hope everybody is well and um, free of coronavirus. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to talk about the need for human connection and how it impacts our behavior. And if you think about it for a minute and ask yourself, why is it? You know, last week we talked about social media. Why is it social media is so enticing to us? Why is there an addiction? What's so great about it? So that we can creep on people we went to high school with. <laughs> this is not oh. the right answer. <laughs> well, it's not that it's the wrong answer, but it's, you know, certainly, but why would you want to do that? Yeah, because you're interested in finding out about people. Why? You want to connect with them. Yeah, because yeah. because you kind of feel connected, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why? And I think that's the, I could ask the same thing about reality TV, right? These are real people who are living lives that we can relate to. So we feel a yeah, con- connection. Connection. There's like a, it, I'm sure that everyone has had this experience where you know someone that you went to school with or you used to work with and you weren't super close with them, but you definitely knew them. And then something happened to them or someone they knew and it was either exciting or terrible. And you you do, you feel that like invisible thread, mm-hmm. you know, connecting you however convoluted it may be. And it's of particular interest to you when that happens. It definitely is. And there's a researcher at UCLA, the College of Letters and Science, and he's also a professor of psychiatry and behavioral science at UCLA's Seminole Institute for Neuroscience and Human Behavior. Dr. Matthew Lieberman has been studying social connection for more than a decade. And I wanted to play a clip from an older TED Talk entitled The Social Brain and Its Superpowers. So listen in for a sec. See, if you're a mammal, and I'm pretty sure all of you are, then what you need more than anything to survive is social connection. Because mammals are born immature, incapable of taking care of themselves. Each one of you only survived infancy because someone had such an urge to connect with you that every time they were separated from you or heard you cry, it caused them a pain that motivated them to come find you and help you over and over again. That is very interesting. It is. And and really, the point that I really wanted people to be able to take away is this understanding that connection is hardwired into our brain. Mammals require connection to survive. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That can, if we don't have a connection, then we're not getting fed mm-hmm. as, as children. And that's yeah. so that it becomes so 
intricately in, invested or ingrained in our the way that we mentally behave or grow. Yeah, that it it never goes away. I, speaking of children, I it's interesting that we're talking about this today because last night my oldest son comes in and he wants to talk to me. Now, that time at our house is eight o'clock. It's now nine o'clock. He's come in to try to tell me something at least seven times now. <laughs> and I can tell that he just wants that like connection. Mm-hmm. He just wants to have like a little bit of one-on-one time with me and my husband. And it's so hard to navigate because I know what he needs. Mm-hmm. But he also knows when bedtime is. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, it always seems that he needs connection after we've put him to bed. Mm-hmm. So that's a fine line to walk. But I can I can very, I, it's palpable. Like mm-hmm. I, can, I can feel that that's what he needs, the yeah. connection. It really is interesting. And I mean, at the end of the day, what would be probably important to notice about that is how to offer that opportunity for him to connect prior to bedtime, right? If that's exactly. something he needs. I mean, find a way to dive in before it's kind of like I'm, I'm often having people say things like you always want to talk when I'm tired mm-hmm. or you know you always want to have sex in the morning when I've got three kids to get ready for school and right. you know I have to get ready for work and we do have to talk a little bit about timing but before we go there I want to speak to and just kind of inform people if they want to go back to that TED talk There's some really fascinating fMRI studies, which is um, magnetic imaging Mm -hmm. of the brain, that says social pain, the pain of rejection, activates the exact same place in our brain that physical pain Mm. is. Yeah. So as it turns out, taking a Tylenol Mm -hmm. will help emotional pain. Oh, that's very interesting. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Because it affects the same area of the brain. And we're so compassionate to people who have a big burn or a broken mm-hmm. leg or, yep. you know, a, they've, who've had open heart surgery, literally. And yet we're, we're bound to tell people who've been rejected to get over it. Yeah, true. And that just doesn't make a ton of sense. Or so, you've, been, you've been sad long enough. Like there's this finite yeah. amount of time that you can be sad or yeah. Yeah. And that's not really the discussion we're having today, but I wanted to at least put it out there so that if anybody finds it interesting, they can connect to that TED Talk and you can look for that link in our show notes. Great. So what does the absence of connection mean? Well, you're lonely. Exactly. Yeah. And what's interesting about loneliness is that it's often temporary, mm-hmm. but it's more frequently persistent, more so than any other time in our history. And in the last 50 years, the rate of loneliness has more than doubled just in the United States alone. One in four Americans feel that they are rarely understood. Hmm. They don't feel heard. And one in five people believe that they are rarely or almost never actually emotionally close to somebody. That's really sad. It is sad. It really is sad. And a couple of years ago, the former U.S. Surgeon General declared loneliness a growing epidemic. Now, it's not a pandemic yet. (laughs) 
It's supposed to be <laughs> Thank a God. We can only handle one of those. Right. But what's so ironic is this is a time in, in our society when literally connection has never been easier. Mm-hmm. And yet loneliness rates are skyrocketing. Well, and I think that probably speaks to the fact that the connection that we have through social media or through just technology in general is superficial. Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Remember last week we we talked about how many friends on Facebook you had, <laughs> quote unquote, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Versus how many friends I had. And even of those, you know, in my, I created like a, a group on Facebook, not a group group, but a group in my friend group. Like a friends. category, yeah, kind of, yeah. And they're my closest friends, the people yes. that if I really am sharing some personal information, it's limited to that group. Yeah, right. Yeah. But you're right. They aren't meaningful mm-hmm. connections. Yeah. And it's fascinating to think that if we want a meaningful connection or if we want to be connected, we reach out, we connect with with the people we went to high school with, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, we're not really connecting to them. You know, that superficial yeah. piece isn't a connection. It's like going to a pampered chef party and, <laughs> you know, or some other little, I don't know, meaningless social gathering, basically. Yeah. I feel like you're, I feel like a lot of that stuff, you're going out of obligation and that's not really what you would do with someone that you have a deep connection with. Like you wouldn't do anything out of just like, Ugh, I have to go to show up to this, you know? Yeah. So maybe part of this problem is we're really not defining connection in a meaningful way anymore. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any one thing that caused it? Because it, it is so interesting. I mean, do you think it's just because people thought, well, I am connecting and they just misunderstood the definition? Or do you think there's some other social something or other that caused this shift. No, I think it's a shift in the definition. I think it's a, a shift in the understanding of what does it mean to be connected. Yeah. Right? When we look at our Facebook or our Instagram or our Twitter or our LinkedIn page and we say, well, and LinkedIn's a good example, right? Because on LinkedIn it says you have 475 connections. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's some of those are people that I haven't ever heard of in my life because they're four generations down from somebody I know. Yeah. Right. I know. I, yeah. What is up with that? I don't, I'm not on LinkedIn a lot, so I'm not very proficient in it, but I'm like, why are you asking to connect with me? I don't even know you. Right. And so this is the problem. I think we've, our, our definition of connection has shifted, but we haven't shifted it in our brain. In our brain, we're saying, oh, I'm connected to you. And the brain is, is indicating that there's, or maybe surmising that there's some kind of uh, an emotional piece to that, right? Some kind of survival piece to that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to cling on to it. And then the actual engagement between us is incredibly superficial. Yeah. And so then it doesn't fill the need. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I read somewhere, and I don't even know if this really has to do with this, so you have to clue me in if you've heard of it. Where um, doctors were like prescribing getting dogs for older people. Oh, sure. Emotional support animals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, do you think that animals fill that connection Absolutely. space? Yeah. Absolutely. Ask anybody who is a pet rescuer, mm-hmm. right? And they will tell you that the animals that they bring into their home 
fill that need. People with um, senior citizens who have pets live longer than people, senior citizens who don't. Yeah. I'm doomed as a senior citizen because I'm allergic to every freaking animal with hair. <laughs> so. Well, I, there are other ways to make connections. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to be able to connect very well to goldfish. Remember, we talked last, <laughs> we talked a couple weeks ago about friends and senior <laughs> yes. citizens who have close friendships live longer. So you don't yeah. have to have an animal. You can have friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's hope. <laughs> um, what, what I find particularly interesting is that in, and I think we talked about this again in our social media podcast, I see so many couples and families who talk about being disconnected mm-hmm. because of technology. Yeah. You know, it's, we invest more time mm-hmm. into scrolling through Instagram yeah. than we do in discussing how our partner's day was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking a lot about um, when we were discussing, like, you know, having a no phone zone mm-hmm. and and that sort of thing. And I was, I, I'm on my phone a lot, as mm-hmm. is my husband. And we do spend time together at, you know, at night. But oftentimes we're both on our phone. So last night I was like, okay, you know, put my phone. And I told, I told him, I said, I'm going to really try to like, not be on my phone as much. So can you help me and not be on your phone? Because I, you know, because if he's just on it, I'll get on it. Mm-hmm. But I, but it was interesting because he's on it reading like articles, mm-hmm. like in, you know, in various like news publications. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it, it just struck me because I thought, would I, would I be annoyed if he had a physical newspaper in his hand? And the answer is no. Yes, you would. You think so? My I, grandparents, my grandmother used to get so pissy with my grandfather because his face was in the newspaper. <laughs> newspaper. Mm-hmm. Yes, she would. For, for some reason, though, in my mind, like, I think that having a physical book or newspaper in your hand is more noble than having your phone. And maybe it's because some people don't know exactly what they're doing on, their partner is doing on the phone. I happen to know. So for me, reading an article is, you know, better, so to speak, than mm-hmm. like, browsing Facebook or whatever. but And I would argue that it simply doesn't matter mm-hmm. that if we're not attending to our partner, right. then we're not attending to that need of connection that we have. I mean, when, yeah. you know, we, we get married and there's a part of our brain that does that again for survival. Mm-hmm. And so there's this little tiny neuron somewhere in the middle of your brain that's still considering the relationship necessary for survival, right? Emotional yeah. survival and the connection we need to have that. Okay, it, so I'm not particularly proud that I watched this on Netflix, but here it goes. There's a show called Love is Blind. Have you heard of it? <laughs> I have heard of it. All right. So I might have watched the whole entire thing, but the premise is that people get to know each other in these little like pods Mm -hmm. and they don't know what each other looks like Mm -hmm. and they don't have their phone. They're Mm -hmm. completely like their phone is taken away from them during this experiment Mm -hmm. and they get to know each other based purely on like talking and Mm -hmm. their, their, like their emotional connection and not their physical connection. Mm -hmm. And it, it was definitely interesting. Like, to watch because that's what they all said. They said, I feel like I've connected with you more than I've connected with anyone ever. Now, mm. being, you know, obviously keeping in mind that this is freaking reality TV, but I 
I don't know. Maybe there is something to that when all the distraction is removed and you can't focus on physical stuff and you're just like 100% focused on making a connection like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm <laughs> bursting out laughing in my mind because 25 years ago, uh-huh. there was a television show called The Dating Game. Okay. Right? Is and, that what it is? Yes, that's I mean okay. it's it's exactly what it is, although there were lots of hippie flowers and funky music and this I think it wasn't Bob Eubanks, but it was some other dude. I don't know if anybody who <laughs> listens to this podcast is actually old enough, but you can go to YouTube, I'm sure. Yeah. And look up the dating game. And it's okay. a it's a man or a woman in a single seat, and then there's a wall, and there's three of the opposite sexes on the other side. And she just I'll say she sits there with a list of questions and said, okay, Bachelor number one. It was the original okay. Bachelor show. Okay. It says, Bachelor what, number one, what would you do if your mother showed up unexpectedly in during one of our dates, for example? Right. And then he'd answer and she'd say very politely, oh, that's funny or something. Right. And Bachelor number two, three, same question. Uh-huh. And then she would choose. Which one had the best? A thing? Bachelor to go on a date with based on which one had the best Answers. Yeah. These and this is my point, right? Mm -hmm. We have a tendency to think that the things we're experiencing have never been experienced before. (laughs) (laughs) But we are human creatures. Yeah. Well, let I bet the dating game didn't have these fools get married five weeks later. Yes. And and it first totally was ridiculous at a certain point. Um, (laughs) but I wanna I wanna make the point and kind of reiterate that it doesn't matter if it's a cell phone. Or a newspaper, or a bowling league, right? <laughs> or a golf club. If you're dedicating more time to another thing than you are to your relationship, it's going to disrupt the connection that you have, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my neighborhood, when I, when I was raising my kids, we all talked about being a golf widow. Mm, that was my mom. My right? dad golfed all the time. So. Now we're saying our husbands are on our, their phones all the time. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, the consequences of being a workaholic and your family doesn't feel connected to you because you're so connected to your work. Yeah. I want to make it really clear that it's not just the phone. Sure. It's the idea that anything else mm-hmm. is taking your attention away or robbing the connection that you have with the relationship that you're in. Right. Okay, so what do we do to make sure that we're having deeper connections? That's a great question. I want you to hold that thought, and we'll be right back to talk about it. Hey, everyone, it's Leslin. One of our goals this year is to grow the podcast audience, and you can help. We would truly appreciate a share or a shout-out if you found the ideas here helpful. Don't forget, you can always touch base with us personally on Facebook, Instagram, and on our website, trythisathomepodcast.com. Okay, so you asked, how do we make deeper connections? Yep. And I think that that's a great question. First and foremost, we need to put down our electronics Mm -hmm. or disengage from whatever it is that is taking time away. You know, in my grandparents' day, it would have been put down the newspaper. Mm -hmm. In my generation, it would have been schedule one less golf game. Mm -hmm. Or play one less round, mm-hmm. right? And that is so that you can actually connect physically. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean 
going around and making out with everybody. What I mean is (laughs) that you make eye contact, that you smile, Mm -hmm. that you ask a personal question. And equally important with all of that is that you listen, right? We talked about being a good listener before. Yeah. Yeah. Very important. It's so important. And, you know, so many of the things that we talk about interrelate to one another, right? Absolutely. When we talk about relationships, we talk about being a good listener. When we talk about communication, we talk about being a good listener. And if we're going to talk about connection, we have to say, be a good listener. Yeah. How can you connect with me? Yeah, if you're just not paying attention. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So another recommendation is to actively love. Okay. What does that mean? So love is a verb, mm-hmm. yep. right? Actively love. What, and I think it obviously it means different things to different people. We've talked about this also in the past. But if I understand loving action to be a hug, make it a hug. If I understand it to do all the laundry, do a little it, laundry. It's like the, the love language. It this is, is what bit. I'm thinking of. So I know my husband's love language. So it's it's meeting that need with that in that sort of way. Yeah. Yeah. And not... Not so obnoxiously that you're kind of in their space all the time, mm-hmm. but it's the little things, right? I had somebody in my office yesterday who said, you know, I, I just want my partner to make an effort to ask me to go out to dinner, right? Yeah. Or to say, come give me a hug mm-hmm. or just in some way indicate that you're invested. Yeah. And that, and I think that's what we mean by actively love and communicate consciously. So mm-hmm. taking a deep breath, <laughs> being intentional with what comes out of your mouth. Think be, before you speak. <laughs> yes. I mean, literally be intentional. Mm-hmm. Go for deeper questions, right? Like ask open-ended questions. So that you're getting a sense of not, did you have a good day, but what was good about your day? Mm-hmm. I, I read somewhere recently that a stupidly high number of spouses could not name what their other spouse did for a living in any sort of detail. What? Yeah. Really? I'm, I, I don't know why I'm surprised. And I, I had a friend recently and I asked her what her husband did. I generally sort of knew. I know the company that he works for. And she actually did not know his job title. Hmm. And I thought, whoa, that might have been a correct statistic. Interesting. <laughs> you know, my, my sample size of one, but um, fascinating to me. Well, you know, if, what, what's really fascinating is if, and this is true of anybody, right? If you're spending, if someone is spending eight to 10 or more hours a day doing something, and you want to know them, how, yeah. can, how can you know them <clears throat> without knowing about that part of their life? Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that my in my situation, my husband's job affects my life a little more than probably the average. But still, I think if your husband really or your partner really loves what they do, then you should definitely know about it because you want to be excited with them about what mm-hmm. they love. And conversely, if they don't love what they do... And they're spending eight to 10 hours a day doing it. 
you probably need to know that so that you can be there and support them because yeah. it's hard to be doing something that you don't love. I also think, you know, what's in, another thing that's interesting, I'm not sure exactly what the statistics are, but it's in the high double digits of affairs that happen in a workplace. Mm. So why? Right. Right. Part of the reason is, is that you often develop a connection with people that you work with because the thing that you spend so much time doing is relatable to that other person. Right. So if I'm a spouse and I can't relate at all to those things that you spend all that time doing, then you're probably going to be making a connection in a different area. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's where most affairs come from? Um, if I'm not mistaken, the last time I looked, the the um, statistic was well over 50%. Oh, yeah. 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 It doesn't surprise me. It's also easy. There's proximity, you know. It, it really is more about the connection. Keep yeah. in mind, women don't have affairs for sex. Mm. Women have affairs for connection. Right. Most generally speaking. Sure. Right? Women connect with people emotionally. Men connect with people physically. Mm-hmm but also require an emotional connection. They, the physical comes first generally, but the emotional connection is also important. Yeah. So when I say dig deeper, I really mean what was good about your day, not how was your day. Right. And that's good for children too. Now, kids are a little bit different because <laughs> they'll often say nothing. Fine. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> right. So what did you do at school today? I don't know. <laughs> really? Yeah. So did you learn anything or what did you learn? What was the favorite part about what you learned? It's amazing how when I say, well, that's fine. If you don't want to tell me, I'll just text your teacher real quick. And then they suddenly remember everything they've done. <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> I'm mean. Well, no, I mean, it's a good way to kind of dig in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We talked a little bit about connecting. And the next suggestion is to be present and really focus. Again, if I'm talking to you, and and this happens a lot in families, so somebody comes home from work and they're in the middle of telling about the day, and then the kid comes in and the attention is directed immediately to the kid, mm-hmm. and whoever got dissed in that moment <laughs> is going to feel unimportant. Yeah, that's happening a lot in our family with our youngest. He is often talked over mm-hmm. by my older two. And he is getting very upset about that. Mm. So that's becoming more and more of a problem. Well, you know, in in my day, and what I tried to reinforce with my kids is, you must say, excuse me. You, mm-hmm. can, you know, it's, it's very rude to just Absolutely. insert yourself in the middle of a conversation to believe that whatever you have to say is far more important than whatever is going on there. Right. So I think... Being able to be present and even if if you have a kid or somebody who needs your attention, just say, I'm sorry, hold on one second. You know, and then because mm-hmm. sometimes that happens, you know, sometimes I'll be talking sure. to one of my kids and a client will buzz in and I'll have to say, I'm sorry, honey, can you hold on for a minute? Right. But then I don't just take however long I, I find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. I tell the client, let me call you back because I have another priority on the phone. I'm in the middle of something else. For Uh, sure. The next thing we want to say is establish some boundaries. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we're kind of talking about that with the the limit of excuse me. Right. And I'll be right back. Be careful or wary of needing to connect so much that you 
jeopardize or compromise your values or the the belief systems that you have, right? I I knew someone years ago who was so lonely that they started going to churches. And in this case, it was whatever church they got the most attention Mm -hmm. from, which was pretty disingenuous, right? There were there was a, a, a huge disconnect with boundaries there. And, and, and I think that may be the final and the most important point is to always, always, always be authentic. Mm-hmm. In order to have a, a legitimate connection, you have to be authentic. Yeah. So this person was going to churches just even though they, they wouldn't normally go to church, you're saying. They were just going to see people to get connection. And that's what was inauthentic about that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, and they were, I mean, they just, and I, I don't want to pass judgment on that, but the whole, from what I understood, the point of going wasn't to participate in some kind of um, a faith-based celebration. It was to meet people and connect with people who might be very generous or... Right. Yeah. Welcoming, like they're, you know... Benevolent. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, so that's a good list. Lots to try. Yeah, I want to say one other thing that sometimes we, so that's kind of making the connection with people. But if you're in a, maybe you're new to a town or you're realizing that you just aren't as connected as you want to be, Mm -hmm. it's really important to make an effort to make new connections. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. I am. Realized not too long ago that I spend a fair amount of time alone. Mm-hmm. I um, and I like being alone. Yeah, I mean, I I probably could be a hermit. <laughs> you know, I work by myself. I don't have any colleagues in my office, but I mean, I talk to people all day. But sure, I pretty much work by myself because I can't make those kind of connections with my clients. Right, I live by myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, my children are in different cities. The Friends that I raised my children with have either gone back to work full time and we have differing schedules or they've moved away from the area. And so it's very challenging for me to make connections because even my my hobby, which is my art, is something that I do very often, very much alone. Yeah. And I realized that I was becoming too isolated. And I think it's really important to know if that's happening to you. Yeah, because I think a lot of introverts, I'm introverted, just think, oh, well, I'm introverted, so this doesn't apply to me. Right. And that's definitely not true. No, introverts, here's the difference. An extrovert will have dozens of superficial friends and a couple of deep connections. Mm-hmm. The only difference between an introvert and an extrovert is the superficial friendships. Right. Introverts still will have very close friendships, but only a couple. Yeah. And... They just value those. Yeah. And I'm I'm often, I think I'm an introverted extrovert, mm-hmm. right? I prefer to have just a few close friends, but I, I realize I need people. So I started a meetup group. Yeah. This is such a cool story. Well, it's just, I started a meetup group for people in my age bracket in my city mm-hmm. just to make new friends. And, yeah. you know, literally in a week's time, there were 100 people signed up. So I think... You obviously hit on something where a lot of other people felt the need for connection too. Yeah, and I think that that's true. That there's 
And that's the good thing about Meetup. I mean, 25 years ago, when I first moved up to the community where I raised my kids, I was in a similar situation. I was new to the community. I had two little girls. I had three kids, two of them little in, in preschool. And I was expecting my fourth. And I didn't know anybody. So I started a chapter of Moms Club. <laughs> that first day, we had 70 women and their children <sighs> in the basement of a church. And it was by far the most chaotic thing I've ever experienced. <laughs> but again, I, you know, there was a need for that in the community. And some of my closest friends today, or the people that you know, I, I've known for a long time, came from that particular group. Yeah. I've had a lot of experience. Well, I shouldn't say a lot. I've I've had two experiences moving to new areas. Mm -hmm. And when I first moved from where I'm from, Columbus, Ohio, to Michigan for five years, it was a temporary move. I was very angry about being there because I did not like Michigan. I mean, I'm an Ohio girl. We're mm -hmm. like born and bred to hate Michigan. So <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. living up there. And for two years, I literally did not meet. I, I did not make an effort to meet anybody. Two years. I went to work. I came home. I hated my job. And my husband was busy all the freaking time in school. Mm -hmm. So I was very lonely for the first two years, like mm -hmm. horribly so. And it wasn't until I decided three years into it when I had a kid that I needed to do something because it was going crazy that life got a lot better, mm -hmm. a lot, lot better. And thankfully I took that lesson. And when I moved here, I didn't, I didn't let years go by before I before I tried to make connections. Yeah, because ultimately loneliness impacts your physical health too, mm -hmm, right? Yeah. And and you can, it's one of those things where if you, it doesn't feel bad maybe as you're slipping into it, mm -hmm. but if you get to the bottom, yeah, it's a, it's a very deep pit. Yeah. And it's very hard to climb back out of it. So, right. you know, you don't have to start a meetup, but meetup.com is a great organization or a great website to help you find people who have similar interests. You can just do a walking group, a book club, a game club. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. Clubs aren't as prevalent, you mm -hmm. know, in our busy cultures as they were. Like in my parents' day, there were bridge clubs and yeah. young Republicans. I can remember my parents were super involved in that and the local community theater and my dad bowled every Friday night, you know, so not many of us do those things yeah. because we're too reliant on this technological connection. I think we need yeah. to have more human connection. So that's our try this at home, right? Correct. It's uh, to get out of your comfort zone and connect with others. Talk to a stranger, go to a meetup, put your phone down, invite a neighbor over. And Some, try to and try to make a really big effort to to go beyond the superficial. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. So that is our discussion for today, folks. And we hope that you'll share this with other people that you love and care about. And as always, we are super grateful that you took the time to listen. Next week, we're going to be talking about passive permission. What is that, you ask? Tune in and find out. All perspectives and opinions expressed during this podcast are for educational and informational purposes only. There is no direct or indirect intention to provide psychotherapy or mental health services. If you are seeking counsel for individual circumstances, please consult with a local health professional.